Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Two Footed Tackle Podcast. I'm your host, Arisham Tarkos. We're back again. We're here again, day, I think it's day 14, day or well, episode 14 of, of 23. I think, um, or at least episode, yeah, no, episode 14 of 23. Maybe episode 15 of 23. But that doesn't make, how do I only have, how do I only have eight of these left? If that's the case, that doesn't make sense. Anyway, um, we're, we're here again. We're here again, and for the final time, we're going to be speaking about we're going to speak we're going to be speaking about my soccer rules or our soccer rules, and yeah, it's it's a dagger to the heart. It really is. But before we start that, I implore you all to um, hope everyone's well first and foremost. Hope everyone's well. Hope any Australians who um, gallivanted around your your respective city at um at 6 a.m. in the morning. I hope everyone's safe. Hope everyone's well. Um, I hope everyone enjoyed themselves, but also did it in a did it in a respectful manner, respectful, nice and courteous manner. Um, of course, that is the first, that is the um, uh, most important thing that everyone was safe. Everyone was um, got home safe, and no one was harmed in 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 whatever the, uh, yesterday morning was, or this morning, I should say. Um, it's currently 12 p.m. as I record this, so it's midday. So I don't think this will be out by two o'clock. So if it isn't, I, my apologies. I, I I had to have a nap after the. Oh, my plan was initially to record the, to record the pod straight after, not straight after the game, but relatively soon after the game, so I'd have plenty of time to upload it. But I just got so, I just had that. I just had to have a, had to have a kind of r- calming down nap and kind of get some sleep. Otherwise, otherwise I don't know what would have happened, but. On this podcast in particular, but yeah, I hope I hope everyone is I hope everyone is well. I hope everyone is um yeah, I hope everyone's well and survived survived yeah, I'll survive this morning and of course we'll speak about the game in a moment. No, no, don't worry about that. I will speak about it. Apologies, got interrupted there by a phone call, but um we're back. Um what was I saying? What was I saying? Yeah. We're yeah, I hope everyone's I hope everyone's safe. We're gonna speak about the game, don't worry. Um yeah, before we before we do start I make sure you all do all the do all. I can't be bothered. I can't. I can't be bothered. Just plug like links and stuff in the description on YouTube. Bios of all the socials, all the relevant stuff. Do that. Share it around. Means the world. Thank you all for the support so far on, on this daily um, podcast journey that I'm going on. I have developed into a man who now has siestas um, at at around about four pm every day, which is, which is um which is pretty good, I guess. I mean, I mean, there's a there's a lot there's a lot worse ways to spend. Uh, to spend 4 p.m. to maybe 5:30 every day than sleeping. There's a lot worse ways. So, um, so yeah, we can we can take solace in that. I can take solace in that. But um, yeah, I've I've just if you haven't noticed, I've ditched. So for audio listeners, I've ditched the hoodie for the first time this podcast at like this World Cup. Um, because yesterday it was 30 degrees. Today it's around about the same, and I just couldn't do it. So I've gone with the we've gone with the grey t-shirt. Um, so yeah, there you go. This is the first time, no, no hoodies. I was gonna, I was gonna say, maybe I'm gonna run out of hoodies. I'm gonna run out of hoodies to wear. So um, there you go. But um, I think it's, and also yeah, I think it's time we we move we move on and start this properly. Um, also, if if you if you're here for, like, I'm sorry, if you're here for Netherlands vs USA talk, probably not gonna be the place for it. I might speak about it a little bit at the end. If you want to hear tactical analysis, I'll come. I'm not gonna do that as well. I can't be bothered. So I'm just gonna speak about it. Um, there's a lot to speak about. Because I want to speak about the game, I want to speak about the tournament, I want to speak about where to next. I want to speak about where to next because I feel like that is 
probably the most important thing to come out of this. Um, so yeah, let's start with start with the game itself um, to give context behind everything. Of course, Argentina Australia round sixteen of the twenty twenty two FIFA World Cup, and it was a it was a weird weird feeling pre game, weird feeling the night before of excitement but nerves, but this feeling of we can do this, like we can win this. And if we just play the same way we've been playing, we can win this. And of course you wake up, the lineups come out, you say Goodwin's been dropped, McGree's moved out to the left hand side, Bax has come in, so he's playing the lineup that started um the second half against Denmark, which who defended fantastically as well. So of course that's probably a little bit of a rationale behind it. Obviously with McGree you can let you can like shift him inside, play a little bit more play some more numbers in midfield or even play Lecky as well, who's played as an eight for Melbourne City as well at times. So um both players can come into the midfield and flood the midfield and try and defend that way. Um Irvine was was shunted into the Riley McGree role, so he moved out to the left to cover for Goodwin, Goodwin's absence. But apart from that, everything was the same and um the game started. I thought we started well. I thought I thought thought we played for the majority of the game very, very well. Um a pretty 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 boring first half an hour and that's exactly what Australia wanted that's exactly the game style that Graham Arnold wanted Australia to go with Um, it's a game style that we did against Denmark where we drew them out drew them out drew them out forced them to overexpose themselves and then hit them on the counter and it was the same pretty much exactly the same um, way of, of playing football that we that would try to deploy in this game and Maybe the first, maybe 25, half an hour, 25, 30 minutes was all them. But there's that period, I think it's about a seven-minute period, five, five to seven-minute period where we just had the ball. We just had the ball between our centre-back, between Moy, out to the full-backs, and they weren't pressing us. They weren't pressing Australia. Argentina weren't pressing. So I guess the rationale behind just holding the ball was, all right, if you're not going to press us, we're content with a nil-nil. We're content with taking this to penalties because we're going to get, we're technically, we're going to gonna have more of a chance of, of winning a penalty shootout than what we should have when we actually play try and play football, um, but despite that slight, despite that slight bit of how do you describe, it? despite that slight bit of dominance, didn't last long and um, Argentina get the first through Messi. If you're gonna look back at the goal, I like I I'm gonna blame so for both the goals. I think two players are at fault, but it it like. I think, obviously, we all know who's at fault for the second, but I don't. This is not this player's fault because I think this player played very well outside of the outside of this. It's just not his fault. It's just one of those things. I think Aziz Beige for the first goal got caught in possession quite petulantly, quite, quite just trying to do too much, just trying to do too much, trying to overcomplicate things. Gets caught in possession, concedes a throw, off that throw, concedes a foul. Um, and then, of course, the foul, the, the cross comes in, played back out to Messi, who plays it back inside and finds a, finds a yard of space, and it's a pretty good finish. You can't put it any other way. It's a pretty good finish, um, which hurts, because I almost wanted, if we were going to lose, I almost wanted it to be... Actually, no, no. If we if we're, if we're going to lose... I wanted it to be off a Messi masterclass, and people have spoken about Messi's performance this game. I thought he was, I thought he was okay. I didn't think he was that good. Um, a lot of people are saying it's one of the best performances of this World Cup. I don't think it is, but I thought it was okay. I thought it was very, I thought it was good. 
by Messi's standards, I thought he was good. So, so by Messi's standards, I thought he was good, which means that if any other player performed like that, it would be extraordinary, right? <coughs> um, <coughs> oh, sorry. Um, yeah, and then the obviously the first half comes and goes. I'll just take a one nil lead and take a one nil lead, but you're very you're quite content with it. You're quite content with it. Um, because of the way it happened, you're like, all right, they didn't break us down. They didn't really have anything. They didn't really create any chances. Um, we're just holding them here, which is good. Then, then 12 minutes into the second half. Sorry, 12 minutes into the second half. Just a moment of madness from Matt Ryan. Suicides once again to try to do too much. Coughs up the ball. Julian Alvarez taps into an empty net and... What can you say? Like, what can you say, really? It's shattering. Your heart sinks in your chest because despite the belief that we had when when Craig Goodwin's shot freakishly deflects off Enzo Fernandez and goes in, despite the belief you get there, if you look, if you think two minutes after Julian Alvarez scores, you're thinking, how we're not going to score three here. And not only are you thinking that, you're thinking, don't be four or five. So that sinking feeling of both scenarios being just as unlikely as getting back into the game, or the, the scenario of getting back into the game is just as unlikely as as likely of the fact that Argentina could make this tour, just make this um, three or four, or three or four or five, right? We bring on some changes straight away after the goal. I think those changes were made or were going to be made before the goal, but Goodwin and Rustic come on, and then not long after that, Karacic, McLaren, and Qual come on. Um, move to a four, move to a four two four, pretty much almost like a four three three as well at times, um, and then yeah, and then like I said, Craig Goodwin's freak shot deflects off Enzo Fernandez and goes in, and thirteen minutes, thirteen minutes to to do what would be to date the greatest ever sporting achievement from this country, and we had two chances. We all know what two chances I'm referring to. Aziz Beich would have scored arguably arguably one of the best goals you're going to see at a World Cup. It, it reminded me, finally enough, of the Maradona goal against England, not the hand of God goal, the other one, um, where he takes it past players and just keeps running and keeps going and scores eventually. Um, Beich, I think, I, I mean, I don't want to disrespect Diego. I really don't. But... This Beige, if he had scored this, I mean, he takes it past players. Like, he, he he dribbles through players and around players and gets past them and makes them makes them commit. If he, if he takes that shot, if he takes that shot half a second earlier, it flies into the back of the net. And... Raptures, euphoria. But it wasn't meant to be. Um... It wasn't meant to be. Uh, I was just going to move to a five at the back. So apologies if I'm a little bit mellow and a little bit like timid in this fucker. I just I'm so devastated. I'm so that I, I can I'm realizing like I'm pausing quite a bit and I'm being quite mellow, but I'm just absolutely shattered. Um, still. Um, and then and then the chance at the end, which, which would have been. Which would have been. The 
which would have been the the crowning moment of this tournament, regardless of if the goal had gone in and we had lost in extra time or penalties, it would have been the crowning moment of the tournament for us. Garen Quall gets onto the end of a second ball from a, from across, gets a touch, slips his man, fires a shot, and is about that far off, going underneath Andy Martinez and shocking the world and producing the greatest moment in Australian sporting history, if that flies into the back of the net. You think about the connotations, the youngest, I think the youngest player to ever appear at a World Cup, 18 years of age, I'm pretty sure. Um, I just want to double-check that, actually. I think Opta posted something about it. I think Opta posted something about it. Um... Yeah, age 18 years and 79 days, Garan Quall's the youngest player to play in the knockout stages of a FIFA World Cup since Pele. Obviously, that's meaning if he had scored, he would have been the youngest goal scorer since Pele. And, and, I mean, I think Craig Foster mentioned it. Craig Foster mentioned it on the broadcast, considering Pele's condition at the moment, um, or at least his rumoured condition. Of course, I mean, I mean, fuck. Like, hold on, mate, please, please. The world needs you. The world needs you. Um, considering his condition, it would have been this moment of footballing mastery, this godlike storyline. Like I spoke about last podcast, his godlike storyline, this almost almost fantasy storyline. That this fantasy storyline that only football can, can conjure up to kind of be there and, and, and make itself known but it wasn't meant to be that was the final chance of the game virtually the last kick of the game and it wasn't meant to be Australia won Argentina 2 heartbreaking heart breaking shattering just I, I, I spoke about this I said I said this I think I said, to, said this to my brother I was like I might have I might have imagined this in my tired state but I, all the all the all the adjectives you can describe my feelings: sadness, sh- shattered, um, angry, upset, flat, destroyed. Like all the all those negative um, adjectives to describe my feelings, but the overwhelming or the overall emotion within me right now is pride. So proud of these boys. So proud of these boys. They made this country so proud. And this they, they represented us in the best way possible. And I've already cried once on this podcast and I'm not going to do it again. So if you see a pause, that's why. Okay? If you see a sudden cut, that's why. Um... That they represented us on the world stage, in the most in the most perfect way possible. I for the longest time, being obviously being from Australia and not only being from Australia but being um, Greek as well, two national sides you don't really get much public um, attention, especially from from the like the the football media that I consume. Of course, it is very Premier League 
Bundesliga, Serie A, La Liga, Liga Eredivisie, all those. It's very those um, those leagues focused. Not a lot of Greeks play in those leagues. Not a lot of not a lot of Australians play in those leagues. Um, and national team wise, I mean, Greece is a, Greece has been a shambles for however long. Australia to a to a little bit of a lesser extent has been as well. So you don't really get that media consumption like from the people that you watch and for the people that you enjoy it's kind of unless it's your club you don't really get that 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 kind of media but to see Australia to see Harry Suter to see Matt Leckie to see these names on the on the lips or I don't know or to see to see the world speaking about those players and see and to see to see the world speaking about this country in a footballing context and it not being look at how shit these guys are or these plucky underdogs um like being patronizing to them patronizing us it's not in that context it's oh shit they they did really well they played really well and we need to give credit where credit's due because they took arguably one of, if not the favourites for the tournament, all the way. All the way. With a squad whose best player, whose whose best league is the Championship or the Scottish Premiership. Take your pick. We don't have stars. We don't have players. There, there's not one player in this squad playing for a top um, European... Actually, sorry, there's one player in this squad playing for a top team in Europe. There was not one player who played against Argentina that um, that plays in a top league in Europe. Um, I think there's only two that play in a top league in Europe. Alan Mobile and... Who else? Who else plays in a top league in Europe? No, that's it. I respect to the Scottish League, but I'm talking top, I'm talking top five. Yeah, it's... Um, no, yeah, it's Awamobile and Denegenero. And Denegenero didn't make the squad um, through injury, I think. <coughs> so, to see these group of players who have been conjured up together from parts of the world, you have people from Sudanese backgrounds, from Bosnian backgrounds, Croatian backgrounds, Scottish backgrounds, Anglo-Saxon, um, Anglo-Saxon Australian backgrounds. It's a squad that represents the real Australia. It's a squad that represents this country at its core. And what this country, especially in modern times, has been built off. Um, and the overwhelming sense of pride from not only me, from pretty much everyone I've spoken to is second to none. Is second to none, and not only not only not only did they make us proud with their performance against Argentina, not only did they make us proud with the performance throughout the whole tournament, but they make they made us proud with the effort and the and the want to win and the want to keep going and the not dropping your heads and doing everything in their power to get back into games and doing everything in their power to defend leads and to come back from the brink. And to dig yourself out of holes. To where they did everything in their power. And that is what makes us so proud. But now. 
it's time to look forward. I don't think that's time. I think I might not be done there. I think I might need to speak about this squad a little bit more. Um, yeah, it's... What, what more can you say? What more can you say? This squad... Argue the most ridiculed squad in Australian history. Australian football history, especially. The most ridiculed. And... The most ridiculed, and they stuck the middle finger up at all the doubters. To all the people that said the A-League isn't good enough, well, I think all of our goal scorers have played in the A-League at some stage. Two of our goal scorers play in the A-League at the moment. The majority of this squad has roots in the A-League. And that goes to show that, yeah, football is very underrated in this country. Very, very underrated in this country. It's a sleeping giant. And realistically, if, if the last two weeks is anything to go by... Football should be the number one sport in this country. I don't care about your AFLs. I don't care about your NRLs. I don't care about cricket or anything else. Football is the world's game. It is the most popular sport in 99% of countries on planet Earth. So why can't it be here as well? Why can't this country embrace everything about this game and embrace everything good about it and take it as our game as well? Because those, these last two weeks have shown that it is our game. It is our game. It's a game for everyone. Johnny Warren's book title, Sheila's, Sheila's Wogs and Poofters. It's not only for just them anymore. It's for everyone. It's for everyone in between. This is our game now. And... These last two weeks have shown to everyone, everyone, that football is the sleeping giant in this country. And for however many times the AFL has tried to sabotage it, for however many times the NRL has tried to sabotage it, for the lack of funding, for the lack of proper media exposure, for the lack of any real good media exposure except for two weeks every four years... Look at the scenes at literally every single city in the country at 6am. Look at the scenes there. Look at how much people care. Because people do care. People care about this sport. They just don't care about the sport in this country. And that's the thing. You convert those fans. And these last two weeks, I pray to God that they converted if you're watching this right now and you're one of those people who doesn't really pay attention to the A-League, doesn't really pay attention to the Socceroos, but supports Arsenal, Chelsea, Liverpool, United, or supports other teams in Europe, these last two weeks, I don't know if there's if this hasn't convinced you to, to j- jump on the bandwagon and get down to A-League games, support the Socceroos, get down to NPL games. If this hasn't convinced you, then I don't know what will. Because... People like Johnny Warren and people like Les Murray have fought so hard for this game. They didn't fight for Man United. They didn't fight for Chelsea supporters. Or they didn't fight for, for Australians to support Chelsea. They didn't, they didn't fight for that. They fought for 
people in this country to support the Socceroos, to support Vic- Melbourne Victory, to support South Melbourne, to support Melbourne Knights, to support Sydney FC, Perth Glory, Adelaide United, Adelaide City, like Wollongong Wolves. Like that's what they fought for. And that's what I think they're still fighting for. I need to stop. I need to stop being just silent at periods throughout this podcast. I realize I do that, especially when I'm not not in the best of moods. Uh, I mean, I'm in a good mood, but like I'm I'm shattered still. But that is what they fought for, and that's what this tournament has perpetuated. That notion of yeah, like these Premier League teams get behind them. Great. Unbelievable, because because it's actually good. Like it's good for people from this country to support other European leagues, right? It's good, or other, comma European leagues, comma again European all leagues. Ah, uh, who gives a fuck? But it's even better if you if you stay true to your roots and support this league, these leagues this squad because if we look through a Matt Ryan A-League player <coughs> Kai Rao's A-League player Aziz Beach pretty sure A-League player at some stage A-League player yeah, of course A-League player like Matt Ryan A-League player right Matt Ryan made his name in the A-League Suta Degenek not A-League Kai Rao's was playing for Central Coast literally a year ago Aziz Beige A-League Lecky A-League Bacchus A-League Moy A-League McGree A-League Duke, A-League, Jackson Irvine. Granted, he, he, he may never play football yet, I don't think. No. But look at the... Go to the bench. Redmayne, Vukovic, A-League. Atkinson, A-League. Deng, A-League. Joel King, A-League. Cam Devlin, A-League. Garan Quall, A-League. Alan Mabil, Craig Goodwin, Jason Cummings, Jamie McLaren, Mark Attilio. All in the A-League. Or have all played in the A-League at some stage. And most of them have have started from the Alligator and the Alligator has given them that turbo boost. And even our coach. Even our coach. Alig. What happens with him now? Didn't even think about that. Um, I've kind of gone on to the future a little bit. I, I didn't really want to speak about that but I might finish the point now. Um... <coughs> Yeah, like you, this, this tournament has given me a, a new. Like I've always loved this game. I've always adored it. I've it's always been the number one thing in my life. Hence why I fucking started a podcast about it, right? But this tournament has unearthed in me a different love, a different, a different love for this game. I would do anything to see the Socceroos win a World Cup now. I would do anything. And if it's unearthed something in me who whose level is was probably as high as you could probably get, what's a what 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 has it done to the people down here? To the people in that casuals bracket. What has it done for those people? This was 
the most important World Cup in a long time. And and my mind goes back to two weeks before the UAE game where the conversation was genuinely floated around about saying it might be good if the Socceroos don't make the World Cup. It's the reset that we need. It's the biggest myth in football. The biggest myth in football. It is the biggest myth in football that it's good for a country to miss out on a World Cup. It's the biggest myth in football. Because good organisations don't need results to identify problems. Because despite our good results in this tournament, and despite this being our most successful tournament ever, World Cup, World Cup tournament ever, the problems are still blindingly obvious. Blindingly obvious. And good organisations with intelligent people and intelligent business people I address those problems. I think it was Richard Baylor said this. Um, said this. Um, said this after the game. It's like you, you, you don't you don't fix the collapse. Like if your roof collapse collapses under rain, you don't fix it when it's raining. You fix it when it's sunny. Right now it's sunny, so let's fix this fucking collapsed roof. Let's fix this roof because it's need it's been need fixing for a long time. And Graham Arnold has stuck up two fucking two by four pieces of wood to, to maintain it up and to give it that extra bit of extra bit of support I want to speak on Arnie in a bit let's speak about this squad I want to go through every one of them Ryan just speak about tournament perspective and he's been an unbelievable servant captain moment of madness but apart from that he's been very good this tournament I think he gets me nervous at times but literally one moment of madness which will haunt him and shattering for me to think about it because he's been such a good servant for a long time Degenek I love that guy so much love that guy so much from what he's been through I just adore that man like oh Milos mate Suter as well to I mean fuck Degenek lucky sorry just speak of Degenek from what the man has been through from what for how many trials and tribulations he's been through He's seen a lot worse than losing around a 16 game, but still he gives out his fucking all every single game. Tough tackling, quick, very good defensively. Love him. Sutar had a great game again. Wasn't his best, but still had a great game. If he isn't playing in the Premier League by the end of 2023, I don't know. I don't know why. He's a freak. Genuine freak. Coming back from ACL, he's still, what, 24? Still 24. He's got 10 years left. 10 years left. Got two World Cups left at the elite level. <coughs> Unbelievable. Rouse, very good again. Very good again for a player that was playing Central Coast. For a player that was playing at Central Coast. Um, fucking hell. For a player that was playing at Central Coast literally last year to a player that I was so concerned about starting against the UAE and Peru. To to what he's man, to what he's become now, unbelievable. As this page, as this is as this is polarizing, isn't he? Um, constant in the squad forever. It seems it seems like, but he did he did well again. Did well again. I think it probably is going to be his last tournament. Um, Thirty one. I think it's probably going to be the same with Ryan. Both of their probably last tournaments. Degenek as well. Maybe Degenek still twenty eight. So we'll see if he can have a late late um resurgence. Lecky. Will probably be his last tournament as well. Um, no, I, I wasn't a fan of him, but 
turn my opinion around. Unbelievable. Bacchus. Love Keanu Bacchus. He looks a completely different player. Completely different player from when he was at at Western Sydney where he was really just a destroyer and that's it. To now comfortable in the ball, can take a man on, can play a pass. Very good. Aaron Moy, I think it's probably going to be his last tournament as well. Definitely be his last tournament. World Cup. By tournament, I mean World Cup because I know the Asian Cup's relatively soon. So by tournament, I mean World Cup. Um, Aaron Moy, yeah, well, um, you can tell he's lost a little bit. But he still kept going, kept going, and that's all we can ask. Riley McGree, future of this soccer is midfield. Thought it was outstanding again. Outstanding again. Jackson Irvine, your footballer's fa- your your favourite footballer's favourite footballer. Such a good per- like such a good bloke. Like such a fucking cool guy. Like like that like I said this to I said this to my brother, I was like <clears throat> You you know how you can describe people in words. The one word you describe Jackson Irvine with He's cool. He's a cool person. Um, and, I mean, at the end of the game, you saw him crying on the interview. Love him. Adore him so much. Maybe or not his last... He'll be 29. He can keep that engine up. He'll be 33 um, this time. Um, he'll be 33 in 2026. So, um, hopefully. Hopefully he can, he can stick around. Mitchell Duke. I'm sorry, Mitchell. Sorry, Mitch. Um... My most hate. I'm gonna say this bluntly. My most hated player in the squad, prior to the tournament starting, but arguably now my most favourite. What a tournament for him! What a tournament! He was unbelievable. Every second effort, every header, every aerial contest he got that he got to. That goal against Tunisia was unbelievable. The ability to keep running and running and running and second effort, second effort, pressing forward, second effort, second effort. So good. So good. So good. I mean, Redmayne Vukovic. Redmayne, love you, Vukovic. I mean, you were just there for the vibes. Atkinson, I think he's going to be the starting left back in 2020, starting right back in 2026. I think it was okay. I think he just got a little bit of baptism of fire against Mbappe, but it is what it is. Deng, I think will be a big part. I think will play a big part in twenty twenty six. Karacic, I think will be second fiddle to to Atkinson in twenty twenty six. But I think he was very good when he came on. Joel King didn't really get a minute, kind of say a whole lot. Same with Bailey Wright. I thought when he came on against Tunisia, he was. I mean, against Denmark, he was very good. Cam Devlin, I'm surprised he didn't get as many minutes as what I thought he would. Um, I thought he, I thought he would play the backus role to be honest. But um, <clears throat> there you go. I think he's. I think he'll. I think he's going to start in twenty twenty six. I rate him a lot. Krustic, what a, what a different tournament it might have been if Krustic was fit. What a different tournament. What a different tournament it might have been if Martin Boyle was fit. Who knows? Um, Garan Qual, can't wait to see him in four years. Generational talent. Our Mabil, just he needs to he needs to find some fitness in this finds some game time because he's an outstanding talent. Goodwin, unbelievable, unreal. So good doing the A League proud. Um, Come dog only played only played like twenty minutes against France. It it was good for the vibes. It was good for the vibes. Tilio didn't get a minute, but I think he's going to be a very prominent pop player. I'm um, in twenty twenty six. And McLaren, I thought he was very handy when he came on. And then I think that that leads perfectly to Graham Arnold and what the future holds for him. Um, probably the most ridiculed Australian coach ever. 
not really sure you can dispute that. Um, but has led us to our best ever performance at a World Cup with one of our one of our lesser sides. Got to hold your hands up. I apologise. I'm sorry for everything I've said. Um, sorry for everything I've said, and um, I don't think he was going to remain. I don't, to be honest, I don't think he should remain as a soccer is coach. I think it's time now. I think he's done the perfect job of passing the baton onto. I think it's time. It's it's, it's perfect time for him for him to pass the baton onto. On to the next manager and say, all right, I've got these boys full of confidence. I've got these boys playing well. Go on, whoever the next manager is. Thank you, Arnie, for this tournament. I didn't think I'd be saying that. Um, you're still a... I won't say it. I won't say what I was going to say. I, lo- I-, I love you, mate. Like, thank you. Thank you so much. Because... Just, yeah, thank you. Um... No, I guess that goes on to who should coach the the squad next. Um, the most important managerial decision in the history of this sport in this country. Arguably, hiring Gusin 05 was important, but they need to get it right. Need to get it right. They need to get it right. And if they pick the right guy with the right vision, with the right purpose, and they're for the right reasons, we're going to see this squad take over. Take over. I think that's a, I think that's a conversation for a later date. I want to... I, I, should I have done a po- Should I have just like spoken about the game and done a podcast later? No, 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 no. No, this is good. I like the way I've done this. Um. Yeah, just to conclude, I think I'm done. Am I done? To conclude, just so immensely proud. So immensely proud of these of these boys. Oh, I. I mean, Matt Leckie has written his name into, into footballing folklore in this country. He's now he's now up there. Same with Mitchell Duke. Same with Craig Goodwin. And same with... Who was the young goal? Enzo Fernandez. Thanks, mate. Um, I think this is very important, this tournament, because really, like, kids... Older than me, so 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 people who were around who were between probably eight and twelve and thirteen, or maybe like nine and twelve and thirteen, you know six and you know five would have grown up in the backyard and be like yeah John Aloisi, Harry Kuehl, Mark Maduka, Tim Cahill, Bresciano, um, Schwartz if you're a goalkeeper like Lucas Neal, these good players right, and then it seems like we've literally had Tim Cahill and no one else since, whereas now. Kids in the backyard are going to be saying, flicked on by Mitchell Duke, or ball played across for and Lecky scores, Craig Goodman at the back post. Th- that's that's the most pure thing about this and about this sport is it can turn villains to heroes in an instant. 
Mitchell Duke is the prime example. People are going to want to grow up because I, I, I think I, I had this rationale the other day and this was after the last podcast so I haven't had the chance of speaking about it. The people, the importance of A-League players in particular scoring in the World Cup is are so underestimated and I'll tell you why. Because when people see players who play for Man United, Chelsea, Liverpool, PSG, Real Madrid scoring at the World Cup, kids in Australia are going to be like, yeah, of course they're going to score at the World Cup. They play for Real Madrid. They play. They play for the best teams in the world. That's like so unachievable for me. Like it's such a pipe dream, etc., etc. Whereas when they see Matt Leckie and Craig Goodwin scoring whilst playing in the A League, it gives that hope to the to the kids in this country who are growing up who want to be professional footballers and, and think, hold on, I can play in the A League and score at the World Cup. I can play at the A League and win games at the World Cup. Maybe this A League, maybe the A League isn't that bad. Maybe I should aspire to play for Melbourne Victory, for Melbourne City, for Sydney FC, for whoever. Maybe I should think about that, and maybe I should aspire to that instead of just thinking, "Bro, the A League's rubbish. A League shit." That's a bit, that's how important it was. That's how important it is, and that's how important it will be. I think when you look about the future, um, the A League kicks off again in. Is that this weekend? The A-League's back. 9th of December. 9th of December, the A-League's back. Get around it. Get around it. Please. I please, please, please get around it. If you've stuck around this far, please get around it. Please go to games. Please give your support. Just even even follow, follow a team on Instagram. Like their tweets. Like their posts. Buy a buy a scarf, buy a top. It, like even if you're even if you don't support the A League and you see a A League top that you like, just buy it. Just support in any way, in any way, because it'll add up. It'll add up. Trust me, it will, it will add up. And I think you need to look at the higher ups, not only in football Australia but in the government. Give this fucking sport the funding it deserves for sake just give it the funding it deserves it is the most participated sport for children and for kids and for adolescents in the country people love this game so much people play this game more than they play any other game people are so invested by this game more than any other game so give people the excuse or sorry i shouldn't say i should like that's not the point i'm trying to make but invest in the game to get people to be invested in the game Give money, like, give money to Western United to build a stadium. Give money to, to Macarthur to build a stadium and build these, like, like how Bankwest was built. Give these expansion teams the money to build the stadiums. Give them the money to get to get advert to get proper marketing people to market their club to sections of the world, to sections of Australia, and the FA and the A League need to be very defined in what they're going to do going forward. They need to create partisan support for every single partisan support for every single club in the in the country, right? So, Western United clear defined fan base. <clears throat> clear defined fan base for Western United and subsequently clear defined fan base for Sydney FC. Melbourne City and Melbourne Victory clearly defined fan base. 
Melbourne City subsequently clearly defined fan base. Western United. The, the, the fucking... It's in the name. Western United. Stop playing games at Amy Park. Build a, build a stadium in the West and market the club to be for the people of the West. Of the West of Melbourne. And even subsequently, Melbourne City. If you're moving to the southeast um, suburbs, market your club for those people. Perth, do the same. Adelaide, do the same. Brisbane, do the same. Market your club for your people. Because Brisbane people are different to Melbourne people. Sydney siders are different from people to are different to people from Adelaide. So, so what we saw at Fed Square, what we saw at other live sites, is we saw a diverse, beautiful representation of Australia. Subsequently, what we saw, what we see in the squad, is a beautiful multicultural summation of this country. What you get with that is you get people who are so passionate about the sport, their country, but their club. And the reason they're passionate of their club is because in and amongst that massive group of people, there's their people within it. That's the thing. That is the thing. And 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 the FA need to do a job in saying, okay, for 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 whenever the A-League is on, Melbourne Victory fans, Melbourne City fans, hate each other. Hate each other. Hate each other's clubs. Sydney FC, Western Sydney, hate each other's clubs. Perth and Wellington, hate each other's clubs. The distance derby is the real derby. I'm joking. Um, but they need, to, they need to advertise and market that. But they also need to say, okay, when it's, when, when it's a Socceroos, we're all together now. It's our country. It's not Melbourne Victory players. It's not... Oh, fuck Graham Arnold because he used to coach Sydney FC. It's no, no, no. He's the Socceroos coach. He's the coach of this country. These are the players that play for this country. That is what has been holding this country back for a while. Is the snobbiness and the... It, to be honest, it's the English culture. Because it's it's a culture that only exists in England. Only exists in, in, in England. If you go to any country in South America, any country in... So Spain, for example. Spain's a brilliant example. Spain's 2010 World Cup team was practically half Real Madrid, half half Barcelona. Do you think Barcelona fans were upset when Sergio Ramos cleared a header? Or do you think do you think Real Madrid fans were upset when um, when Andreas Iniesta scored the winner against Netherlands in 2010? No, because he's not a he's not a a Barcelona player. He's an Australian player. For the longest time, I have seen on the timeline. I've seen I've had first hand experience of people. If if I'm a Victory supporter, Matt Lecky scores. I'm not celebrating. He plays for City. Fuck him. It's an English thing as well. How many times have we seen English people not celebrate their country's goal because oh Harry Kane scored and I support Arsenal? Go fuck like fuck himself. Like like that is the worst culture in football, and especially from from a from a from a nation whose league isn't one of the top five leagues in the world, isn't in the top ten, probably even top twenty. Right. So you need to. Put all of that aside and be the most passionate about your country. Argentina fans. Maybe Argentina is a little bit of a, less, of a, of a different example because Boca and River are absurdly, absurdly followed in, in that country. But the national side means so much. So, like, so much to so many countries except for us, 
barring these last two weeks, except for other countries as well who are similar to us, who are, or whoever or who we have kind of taken from. <sighs> now, now the thing. Now the future goes to. If you're listening to this, if you're listening to this as a non-football, as a non-avid football watcher, firstly, I don't know why you've listened to 50 minutes, but if you have, subscribe, like, and follow the socials. <clears throat> don't don't dismiss this sport. Don't dismiss. <clears throat> Don't dismiss just how passionate people can be about this sport. I mean, I mean, I didn't really want to bring up the AFL and stuff, but um, the AFL dropping their fixture, their round one fixture list at six a.m. on a on a, on a Sunday morning. Uh, it was pretty sus, mate. Pretty sus. Very insecure, I think, but it is what it is. Um, I think I've done. I think I've had my rant. I think I've had my rant. I think I've done enough speaking about this country. Um, to summarise for the t- for the tenth time, so proud. So proud. A tournament to remember. I saw this coined on Twitter, and I can't. Can't for the life of me remember who tweeted it, and I apologise sincerely. I can't. I can't even picture the profile. I can't even. I can like kind of picture the profile, but I can't. I don't want to like misquote it, so I'm not going to risk it. Um, it was the golden generation in 2006. It's now the regeneration in 2022. This country, or this squad, has revitalised football in this country. And 26 million people are so proud of of not only the results, but the performances, because it was done in true Australian manner. And that makes this squad relatable. And makes this squad relatable to the average middle class, middle to lower class Australian. 26 million people are so proud. The two men who fought, who I've mentioned time and time again on this podcast, the two men who fought for this sport in his country, Johnny Warren and Les Murray, they're so proud as well. They're smiling down on this, on this group of players and they're smiling down on this country right now. I know I keep going on about them, but their impact on this game is, is unparalleled to any other person in any other sport in this country. And, you need to, and we need to carry the legacy of both of them. Um, they're so proud of this group right now. This whole country is proud of this group right now. And and where where do we go from here? I'm so I'm so sad because I didn't want this to end. I didn't want this to end. It's like it's like it's like having to go home after after like going overseas or going on a trip it's like having to go home it's that do do we really does it really have to end now does it really have to end now 
can't, can't can't just keep going for a little bit longer. Um, but no, we we have to. We have to. We have to. What's that quote? Don't don't be sad because it. Um, what is it? Don't be sad. It's over. Smile because it happened, or whatever it is. Smile because it happened. Be grateful that this tournament has happened for this country. And I'm just. I'm a little bit lost for words. Still, despite me speaking for fifty-two minutes, still a little bit lost for words. Um, this far. This far from just sending the game to extra. Oh, okay. I'm just gonna block this game out of my memory, and it's not even anger. Like I'm not angry because we weren't hard done by. Like if this was 2006, oh, I'd be on this podcast scream, ranting and raving for 50 minutes about about that decision. But the fact in the manner of which we lost it filled me with so much pride. As you could probably hear, you could probably hear two sets of dogs barking. You can hear the dogs outside barking and my dog barking at them barking. So I think that's that's my dog's cue to tell me to shut up. I don't think the mic's picking it up, thank God. But um, I'll, I'll end it here. Um, in the, the manner in which this country performed on the world stage is filmed with so much pride. The fact that this country is on the is on the is on the tip of everyone's tongues on the, in the whole world. Everyone is talking about this country. Everyone's talking about this national team, and um, it just fills me so much pride. That's all I can say. If it sucks that this is going to be the last time I'm going to speak about Australia, um, it sucks going to be the last time I'm going to speak about Australia in this World Cup. Um, but hopefully, hopefully not the last time I'm going to speak about them um, in a positive context. Anyway, who knows what happens from here. Graham Arnold, where does he go from here? Who go? Who comes in? Who knows? But yeah, I think that's it. I love these boys. So proud. So incredibly, incredibly proud. Let's move on. Fifty-four minutes. Let's just touch on the Argentina, oh, the Netherlands, USA game. Netherlands one three one. Whoop de fucking do. Um, yeah, whoop de do. They won three one. Any interesting stats? USA dominated, not dominated, but they had a had more shots, had more possession, had equal amount of big chances. Oh well, football's football. <laughs> Sorry, I just can't be bothered. And um, previewing the, the next two games: England, Senegal, France, Poland. Like I do predictions, no reasoning. Uh, France, Poland. One nil France after extra time. England, Senegal. England three Senegal two. England three Senegal two. After actually no in no, in ninety minutes England three Senegal two in ninety minutes. Okay, we're done. Thank you very much for watching another episode of the Two Foot Attack Podcast World Cup Edition. Leave your thoughts in the comment section below. Um, leave your thoughts about the soccer in your comment section below. Follow all the socials. Stay tuned tomorrow. It sucks. I'm not going to speak about this country anymore, man. Fuck. Oh, it is what it is. Okay, this what this is. It's currently nearly one o'clock when this is out, so this won't be out by two o'clock. I apologize. Um, I hope everyone understands why. Hopefully, this is out before before four o'clock. This should be okay. Um, but yes, thank you very much for watching. See you guys tomorrow. Getting into the thick of things now. Round sixteen has has started. No second chances now. There you go. So proud of the soccerers. So proud. See you guys tomorrow. Thank you for watching. Goodbye.